Thomas this morning, and I want to talk to you about a subject entitled, What's Behind the Curtain? What's Behind the Curtain? I don't know if you're like me, and I always have to be careful because I realize I'm pushing a few days. In fact, I had somebody come to me this morning, and they said, Pastor, what, what year were you born? And I told them, and they said, Oh, I think that my... And I wasn't sure if it was because I was too old or too young. I don't know, but... You know, I, I, I always have to be careful because I remember back when I was a boy and I used to watch television. Yes, I know. We, we did have television. It was black and white, but it was television. And um, there used to be this show on television called Let's Make a Deal. How many of you ever remember that show? And Well, if you, if you don't, see, that's all the old people in the house. <laughs> all, the young, all the young folk are going, what in the world? You know, Google it. That's the way I can tell you how to do it. Or go to MeTV and maybe they've got a couple of showings of it or something. But this, this program is called Let's Make a Deal. And on it, they had these, these doors and these curtains. And what would happen, there were some, sometimes there were some really great prizes behind the curtain or the door. And then sometimes, you know, there wasn't. You know, so nobody really knew what was behind the curtain. And the, the problem was that the, the, the contestants or the guests had to guess what was behind the curtain. You know, did they want to take that? Or, or sometimes the, the, the host would come along and he'd try to say, listen, say, I'm, I'll give you $50 if you'll just give up that curtain and, and you can have this $50 or I'll give you this box or, or I'll give you something else. And he would try to bribe them to take something else because really nobody knew what was behind the curtain. Now, what I, I'm going to tell you without trying to be too dramatic or, or, or too overly dramatic, that, that's kind of like the life that we're living right now. I mean, really, when you think about it, the world we're living, no one knows for sure what is behind the curtain of tomorrow. I mean, when you think about it, and please, 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 don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger, but, but this is one of the craziest election cycles that I think I've, I can remember. We, we have no idea what's going to happen with this election. We have no idea what's going to take place in our nation. I mean, we, we have no idea I mean, what's behind, you know, is there going to be another attack in the Middle East with terrorists? Is, you know, what, just beyond the normal everyday stuff that we have to deal with, a lot of us could really stop for a second and say, what's behind the curtain of tomorrow? What's behind the curtain of this or that or whatever? Sometimes the, the questions... They don't just make us wonder about things or just anticipate things. Sometimes they make us actually anxious and nervous. Sometimes afraid. I, maybe there's at least one person in this house this morning to be honest and tell them, uh, you know, will say yes. I, I have, I've wondered what's beyond the curtain of today into tomorrow. And, and I, sometimes I actually get a little bit nervous and afraid about what's going on or what's happening or what's going to take place. Of course, there's, there really is another curtain I'm wanting to talk about today, and that's the curtain that stood in front of the in, the, in the temple. It stood in front of the holiest of holies. It was between the holy place. There was, there was the outer court, the inner court. Then there was a place called in the temple, the holy place. And then beyond that was the, the holiest of holies. And there was a curtain that was right there. And that's the curtain I want to talk to you about a little bit today, because what, what, I, what I, how I'm told in Exodus, the 26th chapter, that behind that curtain, 
We're told that it was the Ark of the Covenant. Of course, that was the physical manifestation or the representation of God's presence back in those days. And that was in Exodus. But, you know, only, only one man, the high priest, could enter beyond that curtain. And, and then he could only go one time a year and only for a few moments. In fact, they, it, was, it was so sacred and so holy that they would literally, they, they would sew bells into his, the hem of his garment and, 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 and his robe. And they would sew bells there and then they would put a rope around his foot. You say, what in the world for? To, you know, just in case he wasn't really <laughs> right with Jesus, they, they would, you know, he, he's dead, pull out Fred, and let's put in, you know, Levi's going in next. I mean, this is a holy place. <laughs> Nobody could go behind the curtain. And so this, this one priest, one time a year, would go in on the, on the Day of Atonement, and he would, he would take blood from a sacrifice, and he would sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant to represent the the remission of sins and, and to, to free the people from their sins for at least one more year. Now, like I said, if anyone else, if anybody else tried to get behind that curtain, they were immediately struck dead. It was a holy place. I mean, not just a holy place, but it was the holiest of holies. Behind the curtain. But the Bible says that there was something very spectacular that took place on the day that Jesus died at Calvary. In fact, the Bible says that the moment he died, something very spectacular and wonderful happened. As a matter of fact, it's in the book of Mark, the 15th chapter. It says it this way. It says, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, you've got to, if you can in your mind, you've got to go back with me for just a little bit. And you've got to understand that that curtain had been standing there for years and years. I mean, it was, it looked like it could probably stand forever. I mean, it was, it was, the Bible tells us it was 60 feet long. It was 30 feet high or wide. And it was over four inches thick. This is a massive curtain. I mean, and it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It was massive. It was gorgeous. It was, it was embroidered with blue and purple and scarlet with pictures of cherubs on the front of it. This was a massive, massive, beautiful curtain that stood between the holy place and the holiest of holies. And there, there's a historian by the name, uh, an Israeli historian by the name of Josephus, said that if you were to put two horses on both sides of that curtain, they could not tear it apart because it was so tightly and gorgeously woven together. This is a massive curtain. Beautiful. So see what you've got to understand, though, is that curtain in the holy place... It literally was there for two different reasons. It had a double function. On the one hand, that curtain shut sinful humanity out, and and really that was rightfully so, because we had willingly transgressed in the garden. We sinned. We didn't deserve to be in there. But on the other hand, it shut God in. It not only shut man out, but it shut God in. We were separated. I mean, can you imagine for just a moment, if you, if you, if you have any imagination, and you imagine you were in the temple at the moment Jesus died, right? 
you're in the temple, you're doing your thing, and, and, and Jesus is at Golgotha, he's at Calvary, and he dies. The Bible says that when he drew his last breath, that the temple... Can you imagine that you're there in the temple on the day that Jesus died, the moment Jesus died, you're standing there, and all of a sudden, this massive curtain rips from top to bottom. You know the rules. You go in there, you're a dead man. (laughs) Can you imagine what it would have been like? Right there at the death of Jesus. That curtain was torn open. And it revealed what was behind the curtain. The earth, the covenant. It was God and His presence. He said why it was torn, why it was there, and why it was torn tells us some very important things that I hope we can understand, especially here at Easter time. You say, what were those things, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked because, number one, it was the fact that God Himself is the one who tore the curtain. I hope you heard me say that the curtain tore from the top to the bottom. If it had been from the bottom to the top, that would have made more sense to us, wouldn't it? Because, you know, that would have made more sense to us. But listen, this was not a man-made event. This was not a man-enabled event. This was not a man-anything event. Because God Himself is the one who tore that curtain. See, well, I've got to take just a moment and go back because, see, what you need to understand is when we were created in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had absolute free direct access into the presence of God any time they wanted. And it even says that God would at times, He would come down to the cool of the day, the Bible says in Genesis, and He would walk with men. He would walk with Adam and Eve and they had, they had this free-flowing relationship and they had this, this access in and out of each other's presence. But when we sinned, when we sinned, oh, you got to hear me. When we sinned, we were forced out of the garden. The curtain was gone. And we no longer had access, free access to His presence. See, the Bible says that in Genesis, the third chapter, the 24th verse, So He drove out the man and He placed at the east of the garden of Edom... Cherubs and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Right there in the garden, right there at the edge of the garden, God placed cherubims and He said, Listen, you've got to keep man from coming back into this place because if they come into my presence unholy, they're going to be killed. I love them too much. And then on the front of the curtain in the temple, we see those same cherubims that are embroidered there. They were keeping man out and God in. I'm going to tell you, ever since that day though, ever since the day that Adam and Eve fell out of the garden and they fell into sin, ever since that day we were looking, we've been looking for a way back in, get past those cherubims. We've got to get back into His presence. And listen, I've got to tell you, we really did try. We tried to separate the curtain from the bottom to the top. We tried to keep His laws. We tried to be nice. We tried to talk right. We tried to spit right. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, we tried to do everything we knew to do this. We tried to tear the curtain, but we couldn't tear the curtain open. We just couldn't get back in. We failed miserably as humans. And and then you say, well, but it wasn't our fault. Well, listen, then throughout history, God Himself was looking for a way out. 
Do you realize that the whole Ten Commandments was his appeal to men and women to live right? And to, he was trying to look for a way back into our lives. He tried to remind us of his presence. I mean, look at all the different things that he did through the, through the, through the prophets. Through all of the Old Testament. How many times did God come and, and save them, those people, and minister to them? I mean, just think about the Exodus. When, when He comes along and He doesn't just set them free, He gives them all the gold and the silver they can carry. He gets them out there and, and they get thirsty, so He gives water out of a rock. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I haven't seen too many rocks that just spring forth. They got hungry. So he said, manna every day to feed them. You know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm super glad probably that I did not live back then because I'm not real fond about going off there, you know, and just picking stuff off the ground and start eating. <laughs> Listen, I realize, I realize some of you farmers, you say, well, where do you think your food comes Well, I realize that. Food comes out of the can, out of the grocery store. Don't you understand that? I realize, please, don't send me emails. Don't Facebook me. Don't catch me afterwards. I'm being facetious, all right? I'm, I'm being facetious. But God was looking for what? He, he, he put manna. Then, then they got tired of having manna bread and manna pudding. Manna zucchini bread. Manna fritters. Come on, some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but I remember, you know, you know I remember the day when I was growing up, we didn't have hamburger buns. We had bread. We didn't have hot dog buns. We had bread. In fact, there was a lot of times we didn't even have bread. We had biscuits. Come on, don't make me go there. But they got tired of all the manna, so what did they? He brought them down meat. He brought them quail. Brought them some meat. There were times that they would get hot during the day. I mean, it's sunny. It's, it's in the desert. And they got hot, so he brings this huge... You've got to think about the size of this cloud. There's over a million people. We're not talking about 34, 35, 36,000 people that would live in Richmond. Can you imagine the size of the cloud that would have to cover all of Richmond? Yet this cloud that kept them cool by day covered over a million people. That's a big one. Poke somebody and say, that's a big one, guys. Then he brought, this, he brought this fire. They would get cold at night because there's no sun out and everything gets cold at night in the desert. And so he brought a fire. Can you imagine the size of this fire? That everybody is warm. Fire by night, cloud by day, water from a rock, manna from heaven, quail that come in. God was trying to get out. He was trying to remind people, listen, I don't forgive me. My presence. He was trying to do everything you gave him. He did miracle after miracle of deliverance and provision to remind us of his presence. The problem was the curtain was up, keeping us out, keeping him in. That's what the Bible's talking about in Romans, the fifth chapter, where it says, Adam landed us. In the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death. And no one exists from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. This huge abyss 
separating us from God. It dominated the landscape. See, the only way out, the only way for, for God to get out, the only way for us to get back in was for He, God, to tear the curtain from top to bottom because we couldn't. We tried and we couldn't. And that's, beloved, where Jesus Christ stepped in. See, the Bible says it this way in Ephesians, the second chapter. It says that in the ages to come, He, God, might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that God, God is the one who took the curtain that separated us, and He tore it from top to bottom. Why would He do such a thing? Oh, I'm glad you asked that, because He wanted to show us His heart. See, you think, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, when the Jews worshipped in the temple in the old days, they were always sure there was something that was behind that curtain. But really, remember what I told you, only one man, once a year, could go back there and really check it out. So the mass part of the Israelites had to take it by faith. Oh, you mean, Pastor, that they had to have faith back in those days? Yes! Somebody the other day, I'm talking to them, and I said, Do you realize this whole thing called Christianity is a thing of faith? Well, if I could see him, faith. Well, if I could just faith, faith. Those Israelites—they were sure there was something back there. But really, when you think about it, just, just stop for a second. Because what? What's really back there? Because you know, I've 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 seen. You know, if I'm an if I'm an Israelite guy back in those days. You know, and I had seen one of the old boys, you know, that wasn't right, that hadn't got their self right, and they had to be pulled out by the rope. The bell quit jingling. You know, they're pulling Fred out from underneath the curtain. You know, if I'm in a temple, I'm going, <laughs> what's back there? Yeah. Looks like to me something scary. Maybe it's like the Raiders of the Lost Ark where their faces melt off. <laughs> what a graphic picture. They open the, they open the ark and... <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's what's back there. Maybe there's something more than the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe there's something more than those two tablets containing the Ten Commandments. Maybe there's something more than Aaron's rod and a bowl full of manna. Maybe there's actually what we'll call the fear and the terror of the Lord. <sighs> right? Because that's the way that most people, many people want us to see God. In all His fear... And all his terror. Ha. Because that's, if I'm Pentecostal, I have to go, ha. If I'm charismatic, I go, ha. 
Come on, when you think about it, how many of us have grown up fearing what was behind the curtain? I remember, please, and, and if, if you're a visitor to here today, God bless you. Come back. I can't promise you it gets any better. But come on back. I remember when I was a little boy and we would have communion services. And then, and for our communion services, they would turn all the lights out in the house. And we would sing these old songs. Like, oh, the blood of Jesus, oh, the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. Listen, I'm not against the blood. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. But when I grew up, I was always fearful of what was behind the curtain. Maybe it really was the, you know, the fear and the terror of God. And then really when you think about it, in the old, in, in the old temple religion, when you passed in from the outer court into the inner, from the outer courts into the inner courts, it was progressively dimmed. The lights were progressively dimmed as you went until finally behind the curtain in the holiest of holies, darkness. Even if you had got in there, you couldn't see. It was dark. It was terror. It was fear, right? But listen to me, listen. When Jesus died at Calvary and that, that, that curtain was ripped open. Oh, beloved. Sunshine. Light. Came flooding into the presence. And it showed not his terror, but his heart. You see, that's what God was wanting to show us. Not the wondering and the fear or the secrecy or the darkness. It wasn't the terror of God that was revealed. But it was His hope that was laid bare for every person to see. And that's exactly what God was wanting for every man, every woman, every boy and every girl. He wanted us to see his heart. So he tore open this curtain to show us his heart. That's what the Bible's talking about in John when it says, This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why that no one need be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and a lasting life. His heart. His heart. See, the problem. Can I just tell you what the problem was? What the problem is? The problem is so many people still today are wondering what's behind the curtain. What kind of a God is back there, preacher. Is he a God that will listen to me when I pray? Is he a God that knows anything about the hurts of my life? 
Is He a God that can give me hope when I've done things that make me hate myself? Is He God that can forgive me even though I feel miserable and ashamed? What is behind the curtain? Listen to me, church. These are still questions that we're still groping with. The problem is, oh, please don't get me wrong, but listen to my heart. The problem is too many times when we try to look behind the curtain, all we're seeing is the impenetrable curtain of religion, not relationship. If you do this, if you wear that, if you don't go here and you do say this, I know some of you are saying, Preacher, you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. You don't know what I've done. I've tried God. I tried Him. And He didn't answer me like I prayed and told Him to do. I told Him. He didn't do it. Oh, don't shout me down now just because I'm on your bench. Come on, where's the whoop whoop now? I told him what to do back there. He didn't do it. So what kind of a God is behind that curtain? You don't understand my situation. No, 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 sir, no, madam. I do understand. I understand what it's like to try and tear the curtain from the bottom to the top. Talking to someone this week, and I told him, said, you know, I, I just asked him a simple question because we were we were talking, and I said, well, have you made Jesus your Lord? And they said several times. And I said, wonderful, I make him Lord every day. Yeah. I saw this quizzical look come in their face, and I, I told him, said, please don't misunderstand. To me, my relationship didn't happen forty years ago. My relation happened this morning. I'm doing fresh. Why? Because I got saved this morning. O-M-G, you're preaching. You just got saved this morning. Yes. I got born again today. This morning when I got out to bed, I said, Jesus, I love you. Let me be clean and whole and ready for you. I got saved today. Well, what did you do to make you be unsaved? Let me give it to you in my best theological, eschatological view. Nanya. Fine. Doesn't matter. Well, if I knew what you was doing... I might not feel so bad about myself because I know that I'm not as bad as you. Right? I love people, but we categorize sins, don't we? Yes, I lie. But I would never cheat on my wife. I'm kind of holy like that. Yes, I gossip and spread rumors, but I would never not pay my tithe. 
not shouting here. Move quickly. Okay. Turn to somebody and tell them, so I promise you, it doesn't really get much better. No, no, wait a minute. I understand what it's like to try and tear that curtain open from the bottom to the top. I understand what it's like to pray and to cry and to promise Jesus and to do everything I know to do and then go do it all again and still not see the answer I thought I needed Him to do for me. I understand. I know, sweetheart. I know, sir. I know, beloved. I've done it. But I also know Listen to me now. Listen to me now. I also know that I don't know everything right now. Are you in the house? I have grown into a place of such wisdom that I have realized in many ways I'm stupid. It is very freeing. How many of you know how freeing it is to sometimes just be dumb? I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I need you to explain this. And I say, I ain't got a clue. Well, how's that freeing? I didn't have to tell them. I said, well, that dude doesn't know nothing. I'm going to the next one that can try to explain this to me. See, I understand that I don't know everything. I I realize I can't see everything. I am finite. I can only see so far. Now, I realize, you know, as, as I've grown a few days, I'm a little wiser than I was like 30 years ago when I knew everything. But what I did was I grew up to find out I don't know. I understand. Because sometimes, spiritually, two and two doesn't make four to me. Turn to somebody and say, he lost me on that one, Fred. I don't know what he's talking about. Listen, sometimes one and one makes five spiritually. What do you mean? Oh, I can give you a theological thing there because one plus one puts 10,000 flight. Five is grace. So one plus one comes into grace. See, sometimes I don't understand things. Sometimes I realize I can't see everything right now. And sometimes I just appreciate that things changed when sin entered. Things changed when the curtain was drawn. So this is, this is right where I have learned to have trust. Let's, let's just be honest. Come on, come on, let's go there and let's be honest. Sometimes I hate that word. Are you in, anybody in the house that would just be honest? If somebody, especially when a good Christian comes on and says, you just need to trust Jesus. Sometimes I just take you out on the horse you rode in on. Tell me, trust Jesus. But do you know how wise that is? 
Because listen to me. I remember when my children were growing up, and I have to be careful because I know my wife will hold up a rabbit for rabbit trails. But <clears throat> I remember when my children were growing up, and, and we would have to make a decision that they didn't understand. Any, any parents in the house would give me just a little that says, yes, my babies did not always understand all of my decisions. Sometimes it was because they didn't see far enough. Sometimes it was because they didn't have enough wisdom. They didn't have enough understanding. They didn't have enough knowledge yet. See, when I was a little boy, I did not understand why my dad told me not to play with the pruning shears. I am a man. I am seven years old. I know what they're for. My dad told me, said, stay out of the garage. You leave those pruning shears alone, boy. He said, if I come home and I see that they've been moved, I'm going to wear you out. Now, some of you that are not, you know, from a newer age, wearing out means a real good talking to. (laughs) After you just got your rear end lit. Never did understand why Dad wanted to talk at that point. It's like, I can't breathe. I'm crying and you want to talk now. I'm going, and he's going, shut up, I'm going to talk. I'm going, now we're going to talk. But I didn't understand. Why would he tell me not to play with those? They were so enticing. They went back and forth and back and forth. And they were so awesome, so awesome until I cut the end of my nose off. It's just a little hunk. I was so scared. I couldn't tell mom. I couldn't tell dad. I didn't dare tell my brothers because I knew they would tell mom and dad. Loving things that they were. So I just went around the rest of the day like this. Why? Why would God not do this or that? I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I don't see. Sometimes I don't understand. But what I can do is I can trust Him that He loves me. He loves me. And that's why I say without hesitancy, listen church, listen church, listen church, without hesitancy that the cross answers every question. The cross tore the curtain from the top to bottom. The cross is the one that sends the floodlight on the darkness that's haunted every person's soul. The cross is our hope in a world that's becoming increasingly hopeless. The cross is what gives us an opportunity to live, really live. And listen, the cross, the cross is what goes beyond words and it proves its actions and its love by deeds.
says, people, I, I realize that a lot of times we, we tend to judge God and we tend to judge His love by the deeds that He does for us. If He blesses me, then He loves me. If He doesn't bless me, that was the horn saying, you got to hush up. So they pushed it in the back to saying, wrap it, wrap it. No. That might be the children's church having fun. Well, listen, if, if, if you want to judge God in this deed, then here at the cross is the greatest deed that was ever done because the death of Jesus Christ revealed the very heart of God. Not in words, but in a deed. But listen, I've got, I've got to bring this to a close because God tore open the curtain from the top to the bottom through Jesus. He did it so He could reveal His heart. And He did it to make a new road to enter into His presence again. You see, let me, let me, just, let me close this very quickly, quickly because I, I need to wrap this up. But even though the curtain at Calvary was ripped, there was still the matter of our sins that separated us. And that's what Colossians is talking about in the second chapter where it says, He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulation that was against us, and that stood opposed to us. Listen to this now. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. See, what, what God did was He tore the curtain open. He tore it in half and He said, Listen, please, come in. My son Jesus paid the price for you and I to have relationship. Ephesians, the second chapter, says it this way. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For through Him we both have access to the Father. So this is what Easter's about, folks. This is what Easter's all about. God opened His heart to you. He tore away every obstacle for you. And when Jesus rose from the dead, He sealed forever the road that you could travel to get back to your Father. This is what Easter is about. The Bible says it this way in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Brothers and sisters... Because of the blood of Jesus, we can now confidently go into the holy place. Jesus has opened a new and a living way for us to go through the curtain. The curtain's not closed anymore for you. The curtain is not closed anymore for you. Later in that same chapter, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the Bible says it this way. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. There's a story of the following the Civil War. There was an old soldier, an old Confederate soldier that was sitting at the White House. He was at the gates of the White House and he was just dejected. And this boy came along and 
looked at the old soldier and said, Sir, sir, why are you so, why are you so dejected? Why are you so sad? And the old soldier said, Well, son, he said, I came to Washington to talk to President Lincoln and tell him that I had been unrightly and unjustly deprived of my land, my farm, that's in the South after the war. The little boy said, well, go talk to President Lincoln. The old soldier said, son, I can't. He said, do you see those two guards there? He said, every time I go to the door, every time I get there, they cross their bayonets and they deny me access to the president. I've got nothing else to do, son. I've tried and I can't get it. The little boy said, Mister, come with me. The boy took the old soldier by the hand and he led him up to the gate. The soldier stood at attention, looked at the boy, turned aside, and let him enter. He took him right into the White House, led him up to the president's library where the president, Abraham Lincoln, was reclining and just resting for a few moments. And he introduced him and he said, Father, this man would like to talk to you. That boy was Tad Lincoln, the president's son. This is Easter in a nutshell. Are you ready? Jesus, God's Son, died and rose again to introduce you to the Father. God tore open the curtain. He did it to show us His heart and to make a way into His presence again. He has made a way to have a real relationship with Him. And He did it so that you and I could not only live in eternity with Him, but have real life, abundant life, overcoming life of faith and trust now. I've got to ask you just a simple question, and that's this. Have you gone beyond the curtain? Have you gone beyond the curtain? Where Father God is waiting. What do you mean, preacher? I'm asking a very, very simple question on this Easter Sunday. This message is probably the simplest one I can bring to you, and that's just this. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? With every head bowed in this house, just out of respect to the people around you, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, I'm asking you, do you Know Him today. How do I know Him, preacher? 
you have to admit that you need Him first. You can't do this thing by yourself. You can't tear the curtain from the bottom to the top. You need to ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to wash you in His love. Then you believe in and confess Him as your Lord and Savior. I'm wondering, again with every head bowed, every eye closed, is that you today? So I did that a long time ago, preacher. I'm not asking if you did it again. What I'm asking is, do you need to? Is that you today? All I'm going to ask you to do is very simply, just lift your hand so I can pray with you. Yes, 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 yes. Hands are going up around this auditorium right now. Hands are going up around this auditorium right now, and I'm asking you to say just this simple little prayer with me. In fact, I'm going to ask every person in this house today just to just to play it or just to to pray it with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my heart. I admit I need you. Forgive me. Wash me in your love. Cleanse me and make me new. I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. I accept you and confess you today in Jesus' name. Come on, would you just lift up your hands now and just give Jesus a praise in this house. Come on, give Jesus a praise in this house. Listen, I want, I want some of our prayer warriors to come real quick. Chuck, Sharon. Our prayer teams are here, available to you. Come on over, Chuck. Come over here, Sharon, you're fine. Or one of you, come over I want you, if you prayed that prayer, here's what I want you to do. Because the Bible says, with the mouth we make confession unto salvation. I want you, if you made that prayer, you said that prayer, I want you to turn. I want you to confess that to someone. Just simply say, I prayed with Pastor Harris, and Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Come on, would you just do it to somebody that's right there beside of you real quick? Come on, just pray. The, just, just say it. Say, I prayed that prayer. Now, let me tell you something just wonderful. For you, the curtain does not exist anymore. For you, the curtain does not exist anymore. In fact, the only thing that those cherubims are doing now are standing at attention, letting you have free access into the king's chamber. (laughs) Why, preacher? Because Jesus, God's Son, died and rose again 
so that you could be introduced and have a real life with the Father in heaven above. And not only in heaven above, but in this earth here and through us and our life. Here's what I want you to do. And I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I've I, I got to quit. i got to quit. I just want you one time, lift up your hand and say, Jesus, thank you. Come on. Just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you did at Calvary <laughs> and at Easter. Because living, He loved me. Dying, He saved me. Buried, He took all of my sins away. But rising, He tore open the curtain. Now I have access to Daddy God. And you that just prayed that prayer, listen to me. You are as clean as Adam was and Eve was before they ever fell into sin.